Thank you so much. I want to welcome each of you to the house of the Lord this morning. More importantly, to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that heaven is his throne. Amen. Amen. And the earth is his footstool. What a wonderful thing to be in the place where he has decided to cause his glory uh, to dwell. And I encourage you to rejoice in the fact today that you've been called to sit at the master's table and to dine with him. Let's turn in the book of Exodus to Exodus chapter 21. In Exodus 20, we receive the moral law, the Ten Commandments uh, from the Lord, and immediately after we would, was pointed to the altar where the sacrifice would be made. And we now enter into what's called the ordinances or the judgments or some of the civil laws that God gave to Israel as a nation. Now, some of these things, uh, we realize that in God giving laws about them, God is not advocating for certain things. God never advocated for polygamy. God never advocated for slavery or other things that were in a sin-cursed earth. But what God did do was give good and just laws to help people uh, endure those things that were in the world and we see the wisdom of God in those things to give those to Israel as a nation and those precepts for us also to govern our lives by and so that's what you have uh, in the next few chapters are all these different laws regarding civil life uh, that they would need as they would uh, go forth as a nation together before the Lord. But there's something here that's deeper than just a civil law. There's a picture here of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ that's so beautiful and wonderful for us to consider today, the, the servanthood of Christ. He was God's perfect servant, just as he was the only one that perfectly kept the law and has given us an alien righteousness that he procured for us so also is he God's perfect servant and example for us to follow and so uh, we see that even deeper in the teachings beyond just these laws about servanthood that God would give to Israel and and I rejoice to share those things with you this morning uh, the title of the message this morning is loving the master loving the master and our goal today is to stir up all of our hearts to service to God. That you, at the end of the message today, even if you've already had your ear pierced to the Lord's door, that you would want to say again, Lord, dig my ears again. Lord, give me the all of humility and service before you. Give me that freedom that only comes from being your servant, renew my commitment to you, O Lord. Now, I've said this before in this pulpit, and I rejoice to say it again, that I feel like that I'm preaching to a room full of the servants of the Lord. I told Brother Jeff this week, I, I feel like if you weren't a true servant of the Lord, that you wouldn't even feel like you belong to this church because I'm looking out at a, a, a people who love to serve God, who love 
uh, to serve others. It's not that you don't need this message. We all need this message because we can all improve in our lives. But I just rejoice to know that I live and serve uh, and dwell among a people whose heart loves to serve, loves to serve God, loves to serve Christ, loves to serve others. And I commend you for that in, in the Lord. And I, and I hope that your heart will just be stirred up to want to continue that in your life and wanting to, to grow even more as God's servant, to be more and more like Christ. You know, C.H. Spurgeon said the motto of every Christian ought to be simply this, I serve. I serve. That ought to be the motto of every Christian. And the truth is, is that everybody is serving something. Everybody has some type of master. You're either serving this world or the riches of it or the gods of this world. Uh, you're serving yourself. You're serving uh, something, an idea. But aren't you glad today that we serve the Lord Jesus Christ? That he's our master and we have served him joyfully. We have served him willingly. We said, Lord, take me to your door. I love my master. I've told this story several times. I know some of you haven't heard it, but it's just so beautiful. and just reminds me of this so much when Drew was young and his cousins. We were at mom and dad's house in Georgia. And years ago, dad had invented this game called pennies. And this is how the game goes. The, the kids have to be pretty little. You take all the pillows off the bed and you put them at the end of the bed and you, you turn them around with their eyes closed and then dad would get a big handful of pennies and he would get at the bottom of the bed and he would throw them up in the air and he would yell, pennies! And then the kids would turn around and they'd dive in, you know, and, and whoever got the most pennies would, would win. And, I mean, they, we would play it all night, you know. It's, it's like a little kid game that they just loved. Well, Drew and Christian and Evan, Wesley, they were all about the same age. Very competitive. Don't know where they got that from in our family. But apparently, you know, they had, were born with a unique competitive spirit. But uh, I was in there, and, and Dad was playing with them. And one of the boys, I think it was Christian, he kind of got mad. He kind of got sore that he didn't win. He felt like he was the oldest, you know, and that he shouldn't win. And Pop said, all right, look. You know, he said, I'm the master of this game. And the master says, if you have a bad attitude, if, if you don't change your attitude, uh, you're going to be out. You're not going to get to play anymore. So y'all better watch your attitudes because the master will kick you out. Wesley was standing close to Dad. He put his arm around Dad. He said, Papa, I love the master. <laughs> Uh, mainly, I do believe he was sincere that he loved Papa. Mainly, he didn't want to get kicked out of the game, and and we don't love, we don't want to say that Christ is our master because we think that that's going to benefit us or get something for us. We're not serving Him for that, even though, beloved, don't we rejoice that there are benefits, that there are uh, eternal uh, glories that we will know because of Christ calling us to be his servants. And I just rejoice. And so I hope today that, like young Wesley, you love the master, but in a much deeper and meaningful way. Well, let's read this, uh, Exodus chapter 21, 1 through 6. And when we get to those words, I love my master, I'd like you to highlight that in 
your Bible, and I'd like you to really think about today who your master truly is. Is, is my master really Jesus Christ, and do I truly love him and want to serve him? Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master hath given him a wife, and she hath borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. Hallelujah. Loving the master. We see the Lord Jesus Christ here so perfectly that he was free. But he indentured himself. Because he loved his bride. He loved the children of God. And he was willing to empty himself. He was willing to become that great servant. So that he might ransom all of us. And we'll see that the scriptures speak to that plainly. That, that he was this perfect servant that is mentioned here. That, that he loved not only us. But he loved the father as well. And. We know that he even proclaimed it of himself, that, that he was not here to do his own will, but the will of him that sent him. And so I encourage us all today to love the Master, to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, this morning, because he himself was the perfect servant. What Jesus Christ did for us and did for the Father, beloved, he did voluntarily. No one took his life from him, amen? amen, but he laid it down. And greater love hath no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. I think about Joshua, and, and I love the, the, the teaching here that this was the choice. The master had, had shown love to this servant. The master have been so good to this servant that even though that this servant was willing to go, it was, was uh, able to go free, yet something in the relationship with the master, something in being in the master's house, and not only did he want that relationship for himself, but also his wife and his children. I love the level of commitment here, the voluntary commitment. You know, no one is brought kicking and screaming to Jesus Christ. Amen. But he does draw us with loving kindness. He makes his people willing in the day of his, of his power. All of us here that serve Christ are the willing, voluntary servants of the Lord Jesus Christ just as he was. He came to do the Father's will. And I love what Joshua said. Remember, before they were about to go into the promised land, he said, you've got to choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods that your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But do you remember the commitment that Joshua said? 
It reminds me of this servant here. He said, but as for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. Beloved, it's one thing to, to say I love Jesus or to say that Jesus means something to you, but to ask for the all, to ask for the waters of baptism, to ask to be a part of service in his church, that's, that's where we really see that the love really means something, is when the ear is digged, when the ear is open, when openly and publicly before all the world you say, I love the master. I want to follow in the path, in, in the way of the meek and lowly one, in the way who was the, the one who was the greatest servant of all. So I want you to love him. I want you to love the master today. And this is kind of a play on words. We love the master because he was the perfect servant. And he was proclaimed by the prophets to be this perfect servant. So let's just go to a few highlights in the Old Testament. Let's go to Psalm 40 to look at this first statement about the Lord Jesus Christ in prophetic, messianic utterance. Psalm 40. Here in Psalm 40, beginning in verse 6, if, if you've turned there. <clears throat> Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. That, that word open there in the Hebrew is pierced or digged. My, my ear has been pierced. My ear has been digged by you. But we know it was more than that for the Lord Jesus Christ, wasn't it? It was more than just a, a taking of the ear and a piercing of the ear for the Lord Jesus Christ. Though his ear was digged because he did everything that the Father uh, commanded him to do to a jot and to a tittle. But for us, for the redemption price, for us, his hands were pierced. His feet were pierced. His head was pierced. His side was pierced. Oh, the perfect servant. Truly, he could say this. My ears hast thou opened. You have pierced my ears, O God. You have digged my ears. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. And oh, may this cry that was in the heart of our Master, the Lord Jesus Christ, may it echo in the heart of every servant here today, and may it stir your heart up as with whatever time that you have left in this world, that it's not about you, it's not about your job, it's not about your career, it's not about your family, but it's about the Lord. When you seek first His kingdom, I delight to do Thy will, O my God, yea, Thy law. Is within my heart. That's what Jesus and God is showing the people of the Old Testament. This people that are before the mount. This, this people that have just received the moral law. And are going to enter into a covenant with God. That they are a nation of kingdom priests. That were called to be the servants of God. And this is why both. Judah and Israel went into captivity, one to Assyria, one to Babylon. One of God's main things that he had against them, and you see it recorded in Scripture, is that they quit being and considering themselves the servants of God. 
And that's what he is showing them. And he's teaching them to, for this law, not to just to be some document that they, that they looked at and tried to keep in some superficial way. But he said, I want it to be in your heart. I want it to be not what you ought to do, but what you want to do in your life, that you see that uh, God's ways truly are eternally better and the best. And so how incredible there that the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, the Prince of Glory, he signed up voluntarily and said, Lord, I'll be the one. I'll, I'll, be, the, I'll be this servant. I'll, take me to your door. Take me to the cross. Pierce my ear. Pierce my hands. Pierce my feet that I may be your servant forever. Not only you, but me, but the bride and all the children as well. That's beautiful, isn't it? Let's go to Isaiah 42 as well. Isaiah 42. And we'll see Isaiah speak of these. And we're just going to get a few uh, highlights here. And I'm going to give you a, a cup, maybe a couple too, to look up on your own. Isaiah 42. Here is the Lord speaking of the Lord. My Lord said to my Lord. Right here's the Lord God, the Father, speaking to his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking of him, as he did even in the days of his flesh when he was baptized and when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, the Father spoke of him, didn't he? He said in the first time at the baptism, where was really the piercing of his ear in his earthly ministry, he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration again, he said, this is my beloved Son. Hear ye him. Here he is speaking of him before he would ever come into the earth. Oh, that he would speak this way of us. Remember how the Lord spake of Job? He said, have you considered the rich man Job? Have you considered uh, the uh, popular man Job? Have you considered uh, the wealthy man Job or the talented man Job? No, that's, how not the, that's not how the Lord spoke of Job, was he? He said, have you considered my servant Job? That there's none like him in all the earth. But Job pales in comparison to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. And just love the master again because of his own servanthood. The servanthood that he calls us to. That he found freedom in. That he offers freedom through to us. Behold my servant in whom I uphold. And that's the only hope that any of us have. We would just call ourselves unprofitable servants. We couldn't even serve the Lord without He gave us and upheld us in our calling. And we're called to be servants, beloved. Don't let the Scriptures speak plainly of that. But listen to what it says. In whom my soul delighteth. In whom my soul delighteth. You know, I'm sure the Lord does love to see us praying. I'm sure the Lord does love and delights in seeing us sing. But I think the Lord, is a, there's a special thing in the Lord's heart when he sees his children serving. Serving the way that the master served. He said that my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. That's us. This is him having his ears pierced so that we would be free. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. 
A bruised reed shall he not break. The smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment to truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he hath set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. That is your master, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is God the Father speaking of God the Son and how he delighted in his servanthood. Let's go also to Isaiah 55, Isaiah, no, Isaiah 53, the suffering servant chapter. And here we see that there was great purpose in the servanthood of the Lord Jesus Christ, not to just set an example to us of how we should serve God, but he was accomplishing something, something incredible, something incredibly wonderful, which was salvation, eternal salvation for his people through his service. Isaiah 53, verse 11. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Listen to this. For he shall bear their iniquities. Now, do you rejoice in that this morning? I rejoice in that. When I first understood the, what the meaning of the doctrine of justification was, beloved, I felt like I had been born again again. Because what happened on the cross, beloved, is that, that God the Father took all of your sin and all of my sin, and the scripture says here in this chapter that he laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He took all the, all the punishment all the shame, all the uh, whatever we deserved of hell and placed all of that on Christ and judged it there. And he said, because of the nature and the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he made us right in that transaction. He justified us forever. And Christ obtained eternal salvation for us. But then what's so beautiful is not only did he do that, but he took the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and he placed it on us and made us perfect before him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's the heart of the gospel. And what salvation really means to those who have received it and known it. That beloved, God has made us right through the perfect servant, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's part of the reason why that you should love the master because he was able to serve and be and, and to serve in that in that manner in that way in, in which no one else could have done but him and he was willing he did it willingly not out of just out of love for fa- for the father this is the depth of it is that every one of you in here that know and love Jesus Christ that he did it because he loved you. It's, it almost sounds impossible, doesn't it? We can understand how he would love the Father. Because the Father is altogether lovely. But are we altogether lovely? Is there any good thing in us that he would desire or, or that would, would merit his affections to us? No. But just out of grace, out of mercy... 
out of eternal everlasting love that flows out of his heart. He did that. And he did it because he loved you. And he's love, he'll love you with a love that will never let you go. And I rejoice in that. That's part of the reason why I love the Master. He was God's perfect servant. He was declared to be. We won't turn to this one, but you could just write in your notes, Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 8. So, he was God's perfect servant. We love him for that. We see his example. We see his ears dug, his hands dug, his feet dug, his side, his head, his back. Oh, beloved, how he pierced, how he was pierced for us. They will look on him whom they have pierced, the scripture says, as one that had lost their only son, proclaimed by the prophets to be this perfect servant. But then I love that it was also, uh, he was the perfect servant. Jesus proclaimed this by his own words. Let's turn now to the New Testament. And see some beautiful truths here. Some beautiful expressions of this. You know Christ is not asking you or me to do something that he hasn't. And that he wasn't willing to do himself. You know Paul said I consider my afflictions. Even though Paul's afflictions to me were many. He said I consider it a light affliction. Especially compared to what the Lord Jesus Christ endured. Jesus would actually say to those that in his day come unto me. All ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn of me, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In his own words, he said, Matthew 20 and 28, are you there? He says, he says this. Well, we can back up. Verse 26. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Give us an example of that, Jesus. He says, I am the example. I am the example of that. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And what? To give his life. A ransom for many. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ knew what he came in the world to do. You know, sometimes in these movies or these shows, they kind of portray Jesus like kind of like, I don't, I don't really know what's going on, you know. Uh, uh, I, I'm kind of trying to be good, and, uh, but, man, things, you know, things don't seem like they're kind of turning out good, but I'm just going to kind of make it through it the best I can. And <laughs> that's not really the way that it was. Jesus knew exactly what he came into the world to do and and his purpose and purpose and what his servanthood was about luke 22 let's go to the gospel of luke luke 22 and 27 we read again this same type of terminology luke 22 and 27 i hope this is stirring up your heart uh to want to just bust those doors right there and and serve god Oh, with all your heart, the rest of the days of your life. He says this in Luke twenty two twenty seven. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Now we're talking about the king of the universe. We're talking about the king of kings. 
and the Lord of Lords. We're, we're talking about he who owns all things. Uh, he who made the worlds. He said that he came into the world and he, he was among us as one that served. So what about you? What about me in my life? What, what, what is the status quo for me on a daily basis? Am I looking to be served? Or am I looking to serve? Is my motto serve me? Or is my motto serve him? Serve God. I serve. Oh, I pray that it is, it is I, I serve. Uh, uh, John 6. Let's go to John 6. Here he is again in John chapter 6. Beginning in verse three, let's let's read here. Let these let these just penetrate to your heart. I think I'm having some trouble with my. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. It's six thirty-eight. I'm having a little trouble with my. It's not my glasses. It's my it's my writing. <laughs> uh, here, here is this is this one is beautiful. Wow. John 6, 38. Just listen to this again like you've never heard it before. And just think about the Lord Jesus Christ, your master. For I came down from heaven. That's just an amazing statement in and of itself, isn't it? That he was willing to condescend to, to leave. Everybody is willing to leave a lower state to go to a higher state. But oh, the condescension of the Lord Jesus Christ. I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Oh, hear the heart of God's perfect servant. And when he cried out on the cross, it is finished. He had accomplished what he came into the earth to do completely, completely, beloved. Test the lest I. It is finished. Not I am finished, but it is finished. The work that I came to do as God's perfect servant. So it was proclaimed by the prophets. Do you see that? That he would be this perfect servant. Then it was proclaimed by his own mouth. And he testified of it with his own words. That he, this was, he was this one. And this is the manner in which he lived and, and, and uh, died in this world and served in this world. And then it is it ex- exemplified not only just by his words, proclaimed by his own words, but it is exemplified by his life and death. And that's why it's so powerful to all of us. You know, because there are a lot of people that with their mouth show much love. But then when you really see where their heart really is is in the way that they live their their life the way that they they treat others their agenda what's really most important to them and the, so we see with the lord jesus christ that these weren't just words that he was saying this was the way that he lived not only the way that he lived but the way that he died and i think that that paul sums it up almost perfectly in Philippians chapter 2, which is a chapter that we all uh, love and is so precious to us and it's so 
uh, convicting because we really have to battle our flesh in regards to this because our flesh wants us to serve it. Our flesh always wants to put ourselves uh, first and follow our own agenda. But it was not so with Christ. So just look at this as, as it is proclaimed. And as, as I read this, too, I want you to think about that last night, too, that Jesus was with the apostles. Y'all remember that? The supper, the blood, the bread, the body. But do you remember also how he took off his garments, took up the basin and the towel, and he went around and he washed all their feet. The last night that he was with them. Think about that as, as we read this, the, the power of it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means this is the mindset that we should have. This is the mindset that we should live with. The way that our master was a servant is the way that we should serve our master. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's true because Jesus is God. He's God the Son, co-equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. But, oh, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation. This, this is amazing. You know, most people try to build a reputation, right? They try to do things so that, that people will look at them and think well of them and build themselves up. But Christ could have been no higher than he was. There's nothing that he could have done that would have made himself greater than he was. But he emptied himself. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. There it is. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man. Oh, beloved, listen to these next three words. He humbled himself. That's a, that's a lifelong job for every one of us, isn't it? Oh, our pride. What a wicked thing that it is. What a slippery, elusive thing that it is to try to get hold of and keep down and put down. But not so with the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us in here have had to be humbled. Can I get an amen? <laughs> we wouldn't have done it on our own. But hallelujah, he has humbled us. But he humbled himself. Oh, hallelujah. That we also can learn to do that. And became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Wherefore? God hath highly exalted him, hallelujah, given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess, I love the Master. Master, bring your all. Take me to your door. Dig my ear. 
I won't go free from you. Let me live with you forever. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. Be my master and I your servant forever. Let it be so with you, dear one. Let it be so. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, I want you to love the Master because He Himself was the perfect servant. It was proclaimed by the prophets, proclaimed by His own words, exemplified by His life and death. But that's not the only reason I want you to love the Master. Not just because of who He is. That's the most important thing. And that must come first. But I also want you to love the Master today secondly as we close because He hath chosen you to be His servant. He has chosen you to be his servant. I tell you, there's no greater calling or occupation among humanity than to be called to be the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the highest calling that is in this world. He has chosen us to be his servants. Isaiah 41, I'll read this, beloved, today. And say like the saints of old, Oh Lord, I want to be in that number. When the saints come marching in, when the servants of the Lord come marching in, I want to be in this number. Isaiah 41, 8 and 9. Oh, let it stir your heart. But thou, Israel, art my what? My servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen the seed of Abraham, my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee and not cast thee away. Hallelujah. How wonderful. Like, that's the only way that Paul would speak of himself, wasn't it, Brother Andy? He said, I'm the doulios. I'm, I'm the slave. I'm the servant. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was his favorite thing to call himself. I'm just, I'm just a little servant of an illustrious master. The highest position among humanity. You who serve Christ today are his blood-bought bride. You are his blood-bought children. You are his blood-bought friends. And this is what he desires from His chosen servants. Beloved, He desires for us to be, number one, obedient. Number two, good and faithful. And number three, continual. Let's just look at these through the Scriptures. This, this, is, this is the goal for us as the chosen servants of God, to be obedient to the Master, to be good and faithful to the Master, and to be continual in our servanthood to the Master. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. We're taught to be obedient. Obedient servants to the Lord Jesus Christ. As he said, I, I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Here he's talking about... Uh, their servanthood again. This isn't. This isn't. Um, 
commending slavery or um, saying that slavery isn't evil, but it was in the world and had to be dealt with. Verse Ephesians 6, 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling, but listen to the tack on in singleness of heart of your heart as unto Christ. Obedient. So gut check time, heart check time. How are we doing on that? Think about yesterday, last week, on a daily basis. Am I truly striving? in my life to be completely obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ or am I am I am I doing it in part but then reserving a little bit to things more really that that I want oh beloved may may it be that our heart cry is lord Help me as much as within me and as a human being that I could be completely obedient to you. Oh, beloved, strive for that. Pray for that. Seek for that with your life. Pray that uh, for me. For I find like that song says, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Isn't it wonderful in uh, Matthew 25? Let's go there. Matthew 25. We're not only to be obedient servants, and we strive for obedience, but we know that as the best efforts that we can, it, it falls it falls short. Matthew 25. Matthew 25 in the great white throne judgment. Listen to what he says here. And this is what every servant wants to hear in the end. Matthew 25, 21. The Lord said unto him, Well done, thou what? Good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Good a good servant, and a faithful servant. Again, just gut check. How are we doing in that? Doing in that? Is that when, when the people that are around you, when they look at you, when they observe your life, is, is that something that uh, would come across their mind? Not that that's the most important thing, but would they say, you know what, that is a person that is really trying to, to be a good and faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I would pray so. And, you know, we, we think that our servanthood to the Lord might even end in this life. But do you know that it doesn't? Let's go to the book of, of Revelation. The book of Revelation. I'm really going to struggle with, with this that I wrote. Oh, wow. I can't tell if that's a seven, a cuneiform writing, uh, what that is. Wow, I did my letter attached to my number there. Y'all might have to help me with this one. It's the one where it says, 
that he asks, who are these? I think it's I think it's eight. Go with me to eight. Let me see if that. Oh, it's seven. It's seven. Revelation seven, verse 13. And one of the elders answered, saying to me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And he said to him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God. And what? And serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Hallelujah. It's not, it's not just that we get to serve him here. Here we serve him imperfectly. But aren't you glad to know that one day you're going to serve him with a perfect heart. Day and night. Well, hallelujah. What a, what a precious saying. You know, this, this really happened in the life of the Hebrew people as they would journey through the wilderness and enter into the promised land. What a great master that this person had to be, that a person that has served him for six years and finally had a chance to go and be on their own, that they had built such a relationship that they loved the master so much that they would ask for this all. Asked, this was a painful, bloody thing. This, this wasn't like, girls, this wasn't like getting your ears pierced in the mall. This was, this was actually a pretty, pretty, pretty bloody, pretty painful thing. But because they loved the master, they loved their wife, they loved their children, they, they wanted to dwell with them forever. A person wrote this one time, we'll close with this. My master, lead me to thy door. Pierce this now willing ear once more. And pierced ears shall hear the tone which tells me thou and I are one. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Use you in his service is our prayer.